live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 19. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by the man with the best golf hat tan line in the game, away game cuisine connoisseur, Ohio Valley Emmy Award nominee, and your Columbus Crew sideline reporter for Bally Sports, Brett Hiltbrand. Brett, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Happy to be here. Uh, first time I've ever been introed uh, with my... Uh pretty provocative tan lines uh, as being part of it, which is super exciting. Um, my, they never go away anymore. The, the, the sock tan line is literally permanent. If you look at me from a distance and I don't have shoes on, it looks like I'm wearing socks. Uh, and I, and I don't apologize for that. It is what it is. It's uh, it's part of, I guess it's part of my brand or whatever. I don't know. It's just who you are, man. It's just who yeah. you are. I figured you'd be yeah. thrilled with that portion of the intro. Every, everything else is just kind of boring, but that kind of stands out, you know, for sure. You know, I, and I like to think that, you know, the, the, the away foods connoisseur, you know, we're, uh, we know how to get the, get the maximum out of the per diem, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's, a, that's a veteran move, you know, and, and I think that's something that, you know, people should appreciate. Definitely. And I got a fan question coming up for you in a little bit about that, that away day cuisine, but Brett, you just got into DC, man. How was the travel today? Not terrible. Um, but, uh, you, you know, at the same time, no one should complain about the, the, the private jet experience, uh, regardless of whatever delays you might, might have. So in general, it could be much, 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 much worse, but we're here and, uh, ready for a really big game, uh, against DC, a classic MLS trap game is what Caleb Porter uh, called it in his media availability, and, and I and I tend to agree. Oh, all right, we'll get into that in a little bit. But I believe, sure. Brett, the last time that we saw each other was actually last October in Chester, Pennsylvania, when mm-hmm. the crew got absolutely spanked by the Union 3 0. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, this isn't bad luck. But I'm happy that we can speak today under some different circumstances. Yeah, we're just going to, you know, it was great to see you, uh, it, but we're going to pretend like that game, um, you know, never really even happened. Right. It was a really, it was a nice trip. Never been to Pennsylvania. I'll never, never been to, never been to Philly. Never been to Chester. Chester wasn't great to us, but uh, just not, I mean, the, shout, not the result we wanted. Philly, yeah, you know, just for what they what they've been able to do, and I think that stadium atmosphere. I I would probably put it in my MLS top ten. It was fabulous uh, both times I've been there. Maybe not for the the crew result, but if you kind of look at it ag- agnostically, it, it's it's uh, what they've done there is really solid, and they deserve a lot of credit for it. Yeah, the views are incredible. The dupes after goals that are scored are incredible. It's it's a great stadium to go to. Um, so, yeah. But today we have a jam-packed show coming up for you guys. We'll be discussing Brett's time as the crew's sideline reporter, the MLS Apple TV deal and its implications on local broadcasts, Cucho's signing, and Masterclass debut. We'll also be recapping everything from that comeback from last weekend and looking forward to the double game week ahead versus DC United and the Hell is Real Derby. But before we get into all of that, Brett, you ready to answer some mailbag questions? Yes, let's do it. All right, so let's kick it right off with the away game cuisine connoisseur. So not including D.C., Columbus has played 10 away games this season in cities such as Harrison, New Jersey, Philly, Atlanta, and Chicago, just to name a few. And one of 
the listeners on this podcast, Chance Stoot wants to know about the cuisine. So what Chance wants, Chance gets. So which away day city and restaurant have had the best food and where are you planning to eat or what's on the menu in DC? So Kansas City has the best food from where I've, from, from my experience. In fact, I would even say that second place is a fairly long way off. You can't really beat, um, you know, the, the kind of Kansas City food cuisine in terms of barbecue. Uh, you know, we had, the OGs will know, but uh, our, our old buddy, the Hebrew Hammer, Andy Grunebaum, uh, hooked us up with some food recommendations when we were out there earlier this year. Did not miss with uh, you know dinner the night before and then lunch day of. Um, Joe's KC was unbelievable, um, and in Kansas City, uh, mind blowing stuff. Quite frankly, one of the one of the great perks about flying charter is you can bring pretty much whatever you want on the plane. So we brought back some sauce from Kansas City and some uh, you know some like brisket rub and seasonings and stuff. So we. Um, we, we uh, explored and, and took advantage of, of all the great food options that Kansas City has uh, to offer. Um, I, would, I would also throw in Chicago as my probably second place, uh, if we exclude kind of the, the great pizza that Hoboken, New Jersey has when you stay at the W there when you play New, New York Red Bulls. But, um, you know, I just love kind of, you know, Chicago has so many options and the, the hotel there is just a uh, a really good spot you, you kind of can't go wrong with whatever you choose but kansas city far and away number one for me what's your go-to spot in dc so right now so where we're at we're kind of at the wharf down down on the water by the marina so there's a sandwich place that's like maybe i would say if we're sticking with the golf hat tan line kind of theme this is like maybe like a, a knockdown nine iron away from my hotel room um called grazi grazi and it has probably the best Italian sub I've ever had in my life. Um, and so we'll be partaking um, in that uh, tomorrow for lunch. Uh, and then I'll probably bring one, buy a second one and, and bring it with me. And, and then that'll be maybe my, my nightcap for the evening as well. Um, dinner tonight was courtesy of, uh, of the hotel and, and, and the, the player dining option. So, um, fairly standard buffet food for the most part that you would expect professional athletes to consume the day before they take part in a game. So um, yeah, but grazie, grazie. If you've ever, if you ever make your way to DC and down the wharf, I would recommend it. And I don't really recommend food spots a whole lot because I kind of don't really trust my own kind of personal food taste in terms of translating to other people, but it works for me and I like it. And I think you should check it out. I'll definitely have to check it out if I make it up to DC. I'm in Chesapeake, Virginia, so it's only a stone's throw away from me, not too far. Sure. So I'm going to ask you to trust your taste one more time. Let's do local okay. cuisine, Columbus. If you only had to go to one place in Columbus for the rest of your life in Columbus or the surrounding area, which restaurant would it be? What would you get? It's Tip Top Kitchen um, on Gay Street right downtown in Columbus. Uh, no frills, Ohio-based sourced ingredients in food. Um I actually think I sent for you a chance who's the kind of the author of this question. I think I sent chance there maybe last week or the week before um, when he was in town for a game. Uh, I've literally had everything on their menu uh, over the years. Um, when I, I first moved to Columbus in uh, 2005 for college and they maybe discovered tip top a couple years after that. And 
I, I literally, th- I, not only have I had everything on their menu, I think I've actually been through it twice, um, which is you know, terrifying, but also kind of awesome at the same time. And uh, they're not sponsoring me, by the way, for this for this uh, ad drop. But this is this is all me and 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 me paying full freight. It's fantastic. Gay Street Downtown, Tip Top Kitchen, no doubt, absolutely. All right, you guys heard it. Go check it out. Tip Top. What was it? Tip Top Cafe. Tip Top Kitchen. Tip Top Kitchen. Go check that out. Just calls it Tip Top. Everyone, if, if you if you've been, you know. Okay, I have not been, but when I travel home um, in the wintertime, I'll have to go check that out. Sausage mac and cheese, pot roast sandwich, Ohio nachos, whatever you want. They got it. It's good stuff. Ooh, sounds good. All right, so Crew Fest is coming up this weekend, and Morgan Hughes and apparently nine others want to know how excited you are to see the Medical Mutual tent at Crew Fest on Saturday. I'm not sure of the context here, but it seems like a very important question. Well, I, well, and, and, and Morgan would know better than most when it, when it comes to, you know, really uh, making sure to, to, to get my, um, you know, two cents on everything. Hashtag no free ads uh, on Medical Mutual. I guess stoked, super stoked uh, for, for the folks at, at Medical Mutual to come out. Crew Fest, I think you should, regardless of how you feel about Medical Mutual, you should definitely come and check out Crew Fest. That would be a good time. All right, cool. So you've been covering the crew for Bally Sports for just over three years now. And Tim Fetcher on Twitter wants to know your favorite crew goal and the most emotional crew goal you've been a part of. Okay, so that's that's a good question. I, and I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two in terms of kind of my two eras uh, of like Columbus crew fandom. And that's like pre-covering the team and then post uh, covering the team the last gosh now, what four seasons? So before, um, you know, back in my, the, the Nordic days when I had more hair, um, the, uh, the number one goal for me and is, and it's also kind of the, the moment is Chad Marshall's goal against Chicago Fire in the 08 MLS Cup playoffs. And the, just the, the, the magnitude of the moment and, and how electric, um, you know, historic stadium was that night is, is something that, um, you know, I still tangibly have a great sense of now, what, like 14 years later. So, uh, not quite 14. Um, and the fact that he, that he dunked on BMAC, uh, to score that goal is, is not lost in, in terms of, uh, you know, just how memorable and historic it was. And then, but when you combine that with what happened after with, uh, the, the sideline reporter was uh, the late Pedro Gomez um, from ESPN. And I think he interviewed Chad in the corner um, after the game, like, you know, like we always do on Valley, right? Like what we call the walk-off interview. And, um, and I remember, you know, being like, I don't know, whatever, 10, 12 rows back. And every single person in the stadium is chanting, we're not done yet. You know, clap, 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 clap. And I, I think at one point, like they had it, like it, like kind of like broke down the interview in kind of a fundamental way because it was just so loud and so enveloping. And I would have wagered every dollar in my bank account that moment if I, you know, wasn't potentially irresponsible human being that uh, that they were going to end, end up going win, going and winning MLS Cup. It just, the energy was, I, I, in some ways, I, I don't even really know how to describe it. It was just very palpable, it was tangible. You could, you could, you could just kind of reach out and grab it. And, 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 and I think the players 
picked up on that in, in the most positive, motivational, inspirational way. And so then it was not necessarily a surprise to, the, to then see them be as dominant as they were, uh, you know, what, what we can change later uh, against Red Bulls. So yeah, Chad Marshall, Chicago Fire, 08. That's my most memorable and emotional goal uh, and moment. Since covering the team, I would say goal-wise, um, you know, we, we, we did this on the show um, for the one-year anniversary of Lower.com Field and what our kind of favorite moment was. And Jordan and I, you know, as, she oft, as we often do in, in terms of uh, kind of thinking on the same language, uh, label, uh, wavelength, Jordan Angel, who's our color analyst uh, on, on Valley Sports, um, could come up with the same moment, and that's, and that's Lucas's uh, goal against Orlando that he hits with the outside of his right mm. foot and kind of bends back uh, into that far post from, you know, basically hitting it from Timbuktu. And the, the reason why I say that is um, I had kind of like the perfect, like down the line view of that in terms of where I stand uh, right at midfield to the left of like the crew bench. So whenever you hear Caleb, um, you know, talking to players or whatever, I'm like to his, to his left, if you're looking at the field uh, in terms of broadcast. And as soon as he hit it, it was like, well, that's going in. And which is kind of like a weird thing to think because of, of kind of how unlikely, you know, the, the, the possibility of that, you know, actually kind of coming off. But then when you go back and watch, you know, the replay and how the ball passes, you know, three, four people before it gets to Galese and goal, you can kind of see their facial expressions where they all have the moment of realization as the ball kind of passes by them. Like, oh yeah, that's going in. Like prayer uh, especially, like he just kind of like is like, oh, come on. In that like split second, the ball goes by his face. He knows it's going in. Um, and uh, that was, you know, I, you, you, you tend to try not to react to anything. You try to, uh, in terms of, you know, maintaining the, uh, the poise that you, you need to have uh, to kind of keep doing a job. But I think I, I, you know, had my hands on my head when that, when that hit the back of the net. It was, it was, uh, that was a special moment from a special guy. And I think we're just, you know, there was another example of kind of the, uh, the, the, the potential for magic that that guy has um, and how it can kind of come, you know, at a lightning bolt, right? Um, and so that, that by far is uh, you know, probably the best kind of goal that I've witnessed in person. Cucho's goal just a couple of days ago in Chicago was some magic. Um, uh, Tyler Terrence, the Chicago Fire um, occasional play-by-play guy and sideline guy, he and I were kind of maybe 10, 10 feet apart or whatever. And when when you know when Lucho when we see has plays the pass, kind of can't see down the line a little bit if if Cucho was on side. But so I just kind of look at Tyler and and he just kind of shoots me this look like, did like did that just happen? And we kind of both maybe thought it was offside at first, and so we kind of both like scurry over to his monitor to watch the replay. Um, but that that was that was fantastic. There were some Chicago Fire fans who were, you know, 
certainly well on their way in terms of having a couple pops um, throughout the game that were had been chirping at the crew bench for the better part of like you know an hour and change, and that the 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 chirps stopped soon after that happened, which was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, that was that was some magic uh, from him. I'm pretty sure, and I haven't asked him this, but we've kind of talked about it a little bit. Pretty sure that first touch of his where he draws Gaga out from goal, he did that on purpose uh, in terms of then being able to uh, close the space and then chip over him. It's a, it, it was a special goal from a special player that I think we're just scratching the surface of what he can bring. Yeah, that's a that's a Premier League player, first touch, taking that touch to draw Gaga, who's rumored to now go to Chelsea, and he puts it up over his right shoulder. Extremely difficult finish. And he did it with class, made it look easy. And he easy. did it at full speed mm-hmm. and, and not, you know, particularly match fit at the moment, probably. You know, he's working into it, obviously. Um, but he's, you know, it's his off season and what he's used to. So just to be able to do that, at first, at that first touch, I was like, oh, that's heavy. That's long. And no, he didn't. He, he just did it on purpose. It was, it was calculated. A, it was calculated. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get more into Cucho later. We're going to scream about Cucho in a little bit. All right, Brett. But last fan question before we move on. This one's from Herb on Twitter. What's your most memorable sideline interview in your time with the crew? Probably when when Darlington Nagby, his volley goal um, earlier this season off the corner kick. And, um, and you know, the, the I think we had Derek and, and C. Marrera come over and like kind of like a video bomb in the middle of it which was he funny. only scores bangers yeah exactly that yeah perfect um and that was that was really that was fun it was cool to be like for him to say like while the ball was in the air he had time to think about do i hit this with laces or do i hit this with my instep which is like i have trouble wrapping my brain around like being able to kind of like have the 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 wherewithal to be able to kind of go through that in your mind while that's kind of dropping at you that's why he's Uh, an all-star yeah and 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 i think it's um you know it speaks to the the world-class player that he is and um and and i think in general it's it's another example of of what he can offer um that you know separates him and why he why i think he's a he's a top he's a top 10, maybe top five player in the league for me. And, and I think if you were to, if you were to do a player poll and a coach's poll throughout MLS, he'd absolutely be in that top 10. I think game recognized game for sure uh, league wide when it comes to, to Darlington. And yeah, but that was a, that was, that was a fun one. The first, the first one we ever did, the first walk-off we ever did at lower.com field was definitely a pinch me moment. Um, Cause we had the, we were on, I was on the radio for the first, uh, the first game ever there against revs. So we kind of didn't do the traditional one, but our first Valley game was, that was, uh, that was pretty great with, you know, everyone kind of singing wise men behind you and, 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 uh, it does, it never gets old walking on that field. Um, win loss draw like it it, that's a that's a special thing and that it's never lost on me um that you know that's a unique and and tremendous kind of position to be in and so um you know that those moments make the you know spending two and a half hours watching every single 
you know, touch in the in the league from the previous weekend, getting ready for the next game, like that makes that a, go a little bit easier. Um, makes you know uh, the the grind part of the job, um, you know, a little less tough sometimes. So um, it's not something you ever take for granted, or you you know you ever lament or anything like that. It's it's a special place already. And I definitely think Crew Stadium, you know, set the table for that in the in the best possible way, and and it's only going to be get better. It's only up from here. It's 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 already a top ten uh, atmosphere in MLS, and it's it's uh, getting better by the by the day, by the week, by the season. Completely agree. I've been once. I went last year when the Columbus Crew hosted Nashville. I flew in from Chesapeake, went to that game. Unfortunately, it ended 0-0 in classic Nashville fashion. Of course, it was a draw, right? And that was still, I don't think they're still doing it, but they were doing Wiseman say as the, the players were coming out of the tunnel. And I went down to buy a round of beers. And of course, I missed that magical mm -hmm. moment, but I did get to experience the Wiseman say well, in lower.com after the match. Yeah, it just means you have to come back so you can you can check out uh, when when the players do their walkout. Exactly. And I do have a, I have some friends coming in town um, to the Columbus crew game this upcoming weekend at lower.com. The hell is real Derby. Got a guy coming in from Hawaii to see his first game at lower.com. Got his brother coming in from Florida to see his first game at lower.com. So I'm super excited for those guys. One of the best stadiums in MLS, like you said, but a minute ago, you touched on kind of your preparation and watching all of the touches around the league. And that leads me right to my next question. There's so much hard work that goes on behind the scenes in the prep and the production of a crew game day podcast. So you talked a little bit about just preparing, watching touches, looking stats, things like that. So talk a little bit more about that prep and what it's like working alongside Jordan Angeli and Neil Sika throughout this whole process on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is perfect. Cause I get to brag about Jordan and Neil and Melissa Kalinske, our, our producer and, and Jeff Platts, our director, I think in our in our truck in and of itself, and I'm talking about when I say truck, I mean production truck. There's something like 200 plus years of live TV sports, live sports TV experience in that truck, um, you know, collectively. And uh, and and because of that, I think you see um, kind of a level that uh, we're able to achieve that. Um, you know, we're really, really proud of and um, work really hard to, to, to be able to bring in uh, game in and game out home and away. Uh, and away is a little bit different because Jordan and Neil call the game remotely from, you know, the Valley Studios, wherever, wherever they might be, Cleveland or Cincy. So, um, you know, that, that changes a little bit of the dynamic, but home especially, I think we, you know, we're, we separate pretty, pretty easily. Um, but in terms of just what, what we do is kind of the team in, in terms of the, uh, you know, the on-air talent, Neil, Jordan, and I, I don't think anybody's more researched in, in MLS than Neil Sika. Um, the, the man is, uh, an absolute encyclopedia when it comes to both crew history, but also league history. If you, if, if you're talking about like, you know, like, oh, you know, someone has a stat like, oh, it's the first, you know, you know, three, nothing win, whatever. Neil can like, since like 
X year, right? Neil can recall the last game like in a moment. Be like, oh yeah, Justin Miram, you know, Justin Miram, Kai Kamara, and, and uh, two goals in that game. Like, and, and then he can he can tell you like the date. It's 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 absolutely wild uh, his ability to do that. And like, I'd like to think that I have a fairly good. Uh, memory when it comes to stuff like that and he blows mine out of water and because of that it adds uh, a real um you know intimate layer to to the way he calls a game he's very much trying to tell kind of the story behind the story and the context and the emotion behind a lot that goes into it and and it be in in my mind sometimes like beyond just you know the 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 kicking of the ball from point a to point b right and and i think that's something that separates him from you know most broadcasters in the country and um you know i've known him a a long time we do high school football together we always joke that we've we've probably done you know close to a couple thousand hours of television together over the years and so he and i um you know, very much have a, you know, a TV connection that I think is, you know, something that only comes from, you know, the reps and repeated reps um, over time. And Melissa, our producer, is the same thing. The three of us have been, you know, kind of worked to, together for a really long time. And, and so there's a lot of what we do that almost feels kind of like shorthand. And, and so we're able to kind of you know, do what we have to do, but also then maybe up at a, up at a level or two um, when, when, when we want and, and really bring it. And then the, the crazy thing about all of this is when, when Jordan kind of dropped in to our little group, it took her somewhere between like one and five seconds to like be part of the family. I mean, I, there, there's no one I respect more in the league. Um, she works her butt off. She does the tactical stuff. She does the analytical stuff. And then um, I feel like she has like 15,000 projects going on. Some of which are not like, you know, broadcast soccer related and is always able to kind of devote the, the attention that she needs to, to, to be able to kind of, uh, in my mind, be like the best, you know, analyst in, in all of Major League Soccer. And today she was on the MLS Today podcast. That was the yeah, Twitter I mean, Spaces, I, I, and then she's doing women's Euros. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I know she's she's uh, yeah she's like worldwide. Um, and 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 yet at the same time is, it, she's kind of the uh, part of the glue. I think that that makes our broadcast team. Um, you'll go from kind of like a professionally functional to like a legit family. And, um, you know, we, I owe, we, we owe so much of, of that chemistry that we have that I think is really palpable and, and comes off um, really, really well. If you watch, that's all her, man. And, and the fact that she hit, a, hit the ground uh, at a full sprint um without any problem and that's not me knocking Dwight at all who I've known oh god forever um who's a legend in his own right and and I owe everything I I'm not sitting here without Dwight Burgess um the longtime 
voice of the Columbus crew, period, point blank. And, and so he, he has in his, in his kind of influence still, uh, you know, touches everything that we do. And then Jordan just kind of picked that mantle up where he left off and has, and has absolutely run with it uh, in spite of that being a challenge in and of itself. And um, so I think all of those kind of parts together, you know, kind of everything kind of mixes really well into uh, this really great cocktail of, of what we bring in terms of, you know, kind of the, the broadcast side of crudum. My preparation is, is it's kind of like, there's like preparation like that I do for home games and then preparation I do for away games because since, you know, I travel with a team when I'm on the road, most of my preparation is only towards the, uh, you know, the, the, the crew, right. And kind of the inner workings of how things have progressed to the point of that game, you know, tactical awareness kind of game plan, that sort of thing. Um, talking to the guys, getting a sense of where they're at. Um, and then just a little bit of prep on the opponent in, in terms of like, maybe that there's something interesting, especially analytically um, that, that might kind of influence, you know, why the crew might do like a certain thing, formation or, you know, personnel selection, something along those lines. Home games, when I host the pre and post game show, it's like 3X that, because um, then you're just preparing essentially for, you're not just preparing for, you know, crew versus insert MLS team here, but um, you're also preparing for the entire league because we got to go through it. And you can't really, in my opinion, tell the story of a crew game because it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Everything that happens across Major League Soccer influences that in some form or fashion. And if you don't have a sense of that, if you kind of can't put your finger on that pulse, you're probably not telling the story in a way that it needs to be told. So it's going back and at the very, very least watching highlights from every single game. I try to watch every game in its entirety if possible. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and then it's relationship building. And that's, you know, I think that's been the biggest thing for me as a sideline reporter is understanding kind of the work that goes into uh, building the relationship with the players and the coaching staff, but and also like the support staff and the trainers and everything beyond kind of that transactional reporter athlete kind of uh, relationship. And, and I think because of that, we've been able to really tell some great stories and some great anecdotes. We've got a great one about Darlington Nagby making the all-star game that, that we'll, that we'll share during, during the broadcast tomorrow night. Um, and that that's come from, you know, years of being around these guys and, and being able to, you know, essentially kind of earn their trust and, and in terms of what they feel comfortable, um, you know, kind of talking about around you. So all of those things kind of make up what we do game in and game out. It's not, it's a lot more work than I think sometimes people realize uh, in terms of hours. Um, it's unquestionably a full-time job. And, uh, uh, but we, we, you know, we work really hard. I don't think you're able to do major league soccer. I don't think you're able to call major league soccer, whatever, however you do it, you know, play by play color. If you're hosting sideline reporter or whatever it might be, I don't think you can do it without having a passion for both for the game and the league itself, because it's so unique. Um, and, and I think we, we kind of showcase that enthusiasm really, really well.
Absolutely. So Brett, you talked about the preparation, the production, the duties, and kind of what goes into it. But I'm going to ask you a question that you ask a lot of the players after they have a big moment in one of the matches. What does it mean to you to cover this Columbus crew team on a daily basis? So I, I hate the phrase dream job in, because I kind of think that's, it, it's a little bit nebulous, but it's unquestionably a dream job for me. I mean, you know, when I, I've kind of known that I've wanted to do, um, you know, sports casting, um, you know, obviously a lot kind of falls under that umbrella, but I've known I've wanted to do this for a very long time, probably like third or fourth grade and have worked hard pretty much since then to kind of uh, take steps to be able to do this job. And so, uh, you know, touching on kind of what we talked about earlier, the most emotional moment and like, what's the best thing you've seen? Like I've, I've been part of over the course of my career, like to be able to witness in person some extremely amazing moments, sometimes from a vantage point that like, a handful of other people in the world get get to see it from. I, I've covered Rose Bowls, two Stanley Cup finals, the both of which the Pittsburgh Penguins won. Like I, um, no one in the planet has been to more minor league baseball games than me, um, who doesn't actually work in minor league baseball. Um, high school athletics, college football, uh, uh, college football, college basketball, uh, the NFL, NBA, all of it. Um, it's 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 a pretty cool thing to say that this is your job and and you get to be able to kind of you know basically kind of live out a dream um every single day it's unquestionably a job you know it there there are days um that you know are, are tougher than other others uh I used to work with this uh news photographer back in the day who always used to say you have emmy days and you have paycheck days and, um, you know, sometimes you have more paycheck days than Emmy days, but the Emmy days where you, you're out there trying to do something, um, you know, creative and, and uh, unique and, and something really, really, uh, really, really cool. Those are, those are uh, moments that you, you bottle up and you, you, you take stock of and, and you try to be present for because uh, it's a special thing. It's a unique thing. And it's something that, you know, you if you take it for granted, it's time to go, right? And I think that's something that you see a lot in our business is that people do kind of wash out, you know, at, at certain intervals. And, you know, if, if, if that kind of doesn't get your, you know, your, your wheels turning a little bit, if that doesn't get you fired up, it's time to go. And, and for me right now, and uh, probably for a very long time, those, those things still get me going. It's, it's, uh, it's a great, it's a great place and a position to be in. And, and I think, um, specific to to covering the crew you know if you'd have told me that this is what i've been doing it when i was like 15 you know i would have signed up for it in a heartbeat right and and so i i um you never take it for granted it's it's a it's a special thing absolutely so on june 14th mls and apple tv struck a 10-year 2.5 billion dollar tv deal that has massive implications on yourself and local broadcast teams across the MLS landscape. According to an article in The Athletic, and I quote, MLS will produce and pay production costs for matches shown on Apple TV. The league will only staff one set of commentators for Apple TV matches, which would be a departure from each club having their own commentary team for all locally televised matches in the current deal. 
So when this news first dropped, one of my first thoughts was like, yeah, the money's right. Sure, I get that. But eliminating local broadcast teams is doing such a disservice to the local markets. And what better way to grow the game nationally than to continue to grow the game locally? For Columbus specifically, and I'm going to give you guys a lot of kudos here, the names Jordan Angeli, Neil Sika, uh, Brett Hiltzbrand, among others, are synonymous with the Columbus crew. You guys have helped grow the game, the knowledge around it, and made us all feel like we're a part of something bigger with your broadcast. So speaking for myself and a lot of the other fans that enjoy your work, this is kind of disappointing. And by kind of, I mean really disappointing. So Brett, what are your thoughts on the deal's implications on local broadcast teams? And what does this deal mean for you and the broadcast team specifically? Well, well, first off, I, you know, I appreciate what you said um, in terms of, I think, what, it, what, I, what I feel to be a fairly measurable impact of what we've been able to do through these crew games and showing them the people and, and, and hopefully making them both entertaining and, uh, and compelling in a certain way. And, and so I think to, to hear, you don't get a ton of feedback in our world, unless it's people chirping at you on Twitter. Uh, you I get, feel you. I feel you. <laughs> uh, so, you know, to get some positive feedback is, is obviously something that it's rare, but it is, uh, it's nice to hear. Um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're all in a little bit of a holding pattern in terms of what the new TV deal, in terms of how it affects us, um, you know, individually, both. Uh, like the TV talent side, the on-air side of, of things, and then with our, our production staff as well. I, I you know, when, I, when we were, I was, uh, we were on a family vacation up in Michigan when I found out. And so it literally like driving a car and like kind of sequestered uh, when, and I kind of wondered why my phone was buzzing, like what, what mm-hmm. felt like kind of, uh, you know, like uh, off the hook a little bit um, while we were going. And uh and so then to kind of find all of that out in the middle of vacation was, was, uh, was the timing of that was, was, was a little awkward for me, but, you know, I think for us, it's, we're, we're, uh, and when I say us, I mean me, Jordan and Neil, and I, and I'm not necessarily speaking for them, but I think we're, we're kind of waiting and seeing a little bit in, in terms of what next year looks like. I don't think the league has definitive plans just yet, as far as like what they're doing, with the with the talent side of things, I'd like to think that our body of work um, over the last what now four years is good enough to warrant um, you know some looks next season with the the league, uh, but it's going to change how we consume games. And I and I think like the you know the positives are for the new TV deal are you know huge in that you know they're the blackouts are presumably gone and I think that's a huge hurdle for some teams to kind of get over and I think that's a that's a big positive that's a big kind of check in the pro side of things with the new tv deal but uh it's going to kind of change the soundtrack and and the way we talk about the league and the way we view it and the way that I think is is maybe something that I'm not entirely sure how we're going to digest it next year um we, I talked about Dwight earlier, like my crew memories are, are literally like a Dwight Burgess, like soundtrack, right? They're a Neil Sika soundtrack. And um, I'd be, I'm curious to see what that'll kind of sound 10 years from now, right? And, uh, and whether or not it maybe has, this, it, it resonates the same. But 
I think it's also kind of, it's exciting in a way in terms of kind of changing kind of the land, the whole entire landscape, right? It's not like an incremental change that, you know, it's affecting, you know, one club or a handful of clubs and then they kind of move glacially move towards, you know, everyone going. This is, this is happening right now. And, and what next season looks, what next season looks like is going to be different. And, and I think the league for the most part is going to, you know, try, try its very, very best to deliver on the, essentially all of the, the, the things that the local broadcasts currently do, right? And, and I think that's kind of the, in my mind, that's like the one mandate, right? Is that, are you able to check all the deliverables, deliverables that the local broadcasts currently do? And I think the, the league in some ways is in that position to be able to do that. Uh, come next year and 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 then it's then it's uh ready set go there's a lot of things that i think need to happen between now and say that last week of february 2023 when those first games go live and so it'll be fascinating to see kind of how quickly those developments come together both logistically but also i think in terms of just kind of their personnel gathering but it's uh for for us it, you know we and for me personally, like I, we have what, 15, 16 crew games left. I can't forget exactly how many, but that's what we're concentrating on. That's what we know that that's our, kind of our little bubble that we can control right now. And, and we're going to kind of keep doing what we've been doing, which is, uh, you know, award-winning level live sports TV. And, and that's something that's not going to change just because kind of the 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 overall landscape of the league is changing right now, we're just keeping we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. It's it's kind of it's funny, right? Like in some ways, I it's like it's like a pressure free audition. And you know, I think for a lot of us, feel like we're we're kind of tap dancing for that the the job next year, and um, and I think that's. I love that kind of the competition side of that. Like I'd put my body up of, of work up against anyone. I'd put Neil and Jordan's body of work up against anyone in the league. And so that's something that I think, you know, the, the only thing we can kind of do is keep putting our best foot forward. And I think we've been doing that since day one when we started back in or whatever it was 2019. Yeah. So a week after the league signed that record TV deal, the Columbus crew made a club record signing, spending $10 million to sign Cucho Hernandez from English championship side Watford, and the returns are already looking promising. Cucho entered this past weekend's match in the 62nd minute with the crew trailing the fire two goals to nil. In just 21 minutes after entering the game, the crew's record signing secured all three points and completed the comeback with his cheeky chip over Gaga Sanina's right shoulder like we talked about earlier. So speaking about both his goal and his overall performance, Brett, what did you think about Cucho's debut for the Columbus crew? So his first touch, I'm pretty sure his first touch was like an overhit ball that like he was 10 yards away on a ball that was hit by like 30 yards worth of pace. And he took it off of his chest at a full sprint, lateral full sprint, and chested it to Darlington Nagby. And well, kind of like, it was like a wall moment. Um, Cause like, that's not something everyone in MLS can do. It reminded me, and I was talking with, with, with uh, Columbus crew legend, Dante Washington about this not too long ago. Um, 
The first touch I ever saw Guillermo Sparrow Scalotto's, uh, Guillermo Sparrow Scalotto's first touch that I ever saw was like a very similar thing where he took like a, like a belly button kind of height ball at a full, he took it down at a full sprint with like the outside of his weak foot and then promptly like kind of sorted his feet out and then hit like a 30 yard ball that and it was just like, yeah, I, there, are, there are a lot of people in the league who just can't do that. Uh, he's next level. And, and I think it's, it's kind of a bit of vindication in, in some ways <clears throat> in terms of uh, kind of fulfilling the, both the, the, or not fulfilling, I should say, but like kind of working your way towards fulfilling the pressure that's on his shoulders, right? Is that like, this is a guy that's kind of basically being asked to come in and be the face of the club be responsible for the majority of its kind of, you know, attacking prowess, the goals and, and, and all of that. And he comes in, in a game where, you know, the team probably played uh, one of its worst 45s in a while. And, you know, then the fight back happens, he comes in and he caps it off in the best possible way. Um, he, I think he's just a, he's, he's already shown us, I think, you know, kind of the, the potential and, and that the, the potential is sky high. And, and now it's on him to kind of, you know, keep kind of showing us that he's able to deliver that. Um, but it was, it was a debut that, that I mean, I, I kind of don't think you could have dreamed it up any better. It's, it's a win for Tim Bespachenko. It's a win for Caleb Porter and, and, and those guys are, doing what they had to do to bring a, a player of his level in. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's only kind of up from here in, in that regard. And, and, and then behind him, there's a ton of depth too. And, and that's something that I think is, is also a testament to kind of where this club is at right now, that it seems to me that we're, we're probably entering a, a little bit of a new era of Columbus crew soccer. And, and Cucho, I think is, is one of the reasons why for that. Yeah, it, it kind of seems this way. And after the match, I remember thinking to myself, like I, I was at the 2020 MLS Cup final and that was one of the best moments of my life watching the Columbus crew beat Seattle Sounders 3-0, lift the MLS Cup. I was there. That was awesome, right? And then the year after and we're injury riddled. Like we just can't stay healthy. Aiden Morris goes down. You name it. We were all, we were injured. And it was just a bad season. And now, you know, we've kind of struggled. We struggled through April. We got through May. We got through June. And now we got Cucho. And now we're on a six-game winning streak. And, and something felt different about that game. And I remember thinking to myself after the game, like, are we back? Like, that felt good. And especially coming down from 2-0 down to bring on Cucho. Like you said, he has that pressure. He's the club record signing. He comes on and he scores that game winner just 21 minutes after making his debut for the black and gold. Like it, it felt like we, we turned over a new leaf, but like when I looked at the quote from Tim Bezvachinko right after we signed Cucho, he said, our goal was to sign a forward who could not only be an individual attacking threat, but who could make us more dangerous as a team. Cucho is a versatile attacker whose agility, mobility, and unpredictability make him a constant threat. So before I jumped on this podcast, I literally broke this down sentence by sentence and just kind of looked at like what that looked like during his debut. So as for the individual attacking threat, well, we saw his ability to attack space and finish at the highest level one versus one with the keeper, right? So we saw that. 
As for making the team more dangerous, I think he did that through like his spacing, interchange, and movement off of the ball. It was phenomenal. You look at his heat map, he was popping up out left, out right, in the middle, playing untraditional spots, popping up in untraditional spots where you don't usually see a nine. He's not your traditional nine, but it's good to see him in those spaces. And as for the agility and mobility, I mean, if you just look, if you go back and rewatch the game, just look at his involvement leading up to his shot in the 82nd minute where he made a 40-yard run to the corner of the Mm -hmm. 18, dropped his shoulder. He took a step back after Stephen Herrera took three defenders with him. Thank God for that run. It was brilliant. But then there's also that chemistry there. He makes the run. I fall into space, and and that's open for me there. So he has that agility, mobility. Um, And then as far as the unpredictability, like I said earlier, he was constantly popping up into different spaces. And when I think about unpredictability of a, of a striker of his prowess and his pedigree, I think of a guy that's able to interchange with the team. And there was a moment in the match. He had just recently came on right after he did that chest down to Darlington Nagby, where he dropped into the midfield, uh, took a touch back towards his own goal, turned up field, broke the lines, found Lucas Elarion. Lucas Elarion, I think drove at the back line. He should have played Luis Diaz outright, lost the ball. And then Cucho came out of nowhere and threw in a sliding tackle. And part of me is like, oh, God, no, don't get hurt in your debut like this. But the majority of me is like, hell, yeah, we just spent $10 million on this guy. And he's throwing his body on the line to retain possession and keep them in and pin them in their own defensive third. Like there was so much about Cucho's game that I absolutely loved. And that's just some of it. And, you know, I talked about his, his effort on that sliding tackle. And when I look at what he did after he scored that goal, just the, the celebration and the joy and almost the relief of, you know, Lucas Elleran, when Lucas Elleran jumped into his arms, seeing that was almost like, okay, it's not all on me for Lucas Elleran. He's like, I have a guy here with me now that can take the pressure off me, takes defenders off me, takes the eyes off of me. And I have this guy that I can trust. And they look like they have chemistry. Do they not? Yeah. I, I, I think they're, they're, they're already on their way in terms of de- developing that to um you know i i think a, a level that in some ways i'm not entirely sure we're prepared to see i i think i think like the i think in in general his when i say his kuchos it kind of inclusion in the team right we're raising the floor of this team in terms of what they're able to achieve potential wise, but also I think expectations, right? And that goal, it, it, it's kind of signaled kind of a, in my mind, like a kind of a marking or a, a, a warning maybe perhaps to the rest of the league, like, hey guys, friends, like guy is good. And he's going to start popping up in ways that we feel like we've been missing in moments uh, in the last couple of years that you guys aren't going to be prepared for, perhaps. And so um, dangerous is the word that kind of keeps popping into my head when I think about him. And I think the the, the goal is just a, is a great example of that. It's a you know, it's a turnover and Luis plays the right ball and and then and he's just but he's dangerous. He keeps himself alive. Um, and then he, he the 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 first I think three steps of his run are towards the near side sideline to keep himself yep. in his own half to keep himself onside, and that little like kind of you know basically bend in the run, like 
kind of can't teach that. That's I mean, you can quality, that to quality. Face, but like that's just, that's just natural ability. And then everything else kind of takes over his speed impressed me uh, in that moment um, where I was maybe not prepared for him to be quite as fast as that. Um, and, and I think he's, He's a guy that I think you're going to see other players kind of gravitationally reach another level or two. And I think, you know, we're the, that you're going to kind of see the effects of what he's able to do um, and the attention that, that Cucho is going to garner from teams. And you're going to see the effects of that uh, with, you know, Derek Etienne, with Lucas, with Darlington, with, you know, whoever's going to be out on the right side for the crew, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's Yao, if it's Luis Diaz, you know, whoever it might be, that I think everybody around them, he is, he's kind of like a level raising type player. And it only in mind kind of increases a little bit the expectations that we have for these guys day in and day out. And, and I think when you combine that with what we've seen from this team, especially this year, which is an outrageous outrageously positive buy-in um from you know the top guy to to some the crew two guys who keep bouncing back and forth <coughs> you're seeing this buy-in from them that they're willing to play you know three five two they're willing to play four three three the next game they're willing to play four two three one the next game and then bounce back and forth and and that doesn't happen uh, all the time um you know, especially I think in MLS because you um, sometimes with the with the kind of the the pay disparity, you know, that you can see in starting 11s and with some of the system guys that we have coaching teams that don't really like to change a whole lot, to be able to be that kind of flexible and unpredictable is dangerous in and of itself. When you add in a handful of world-class eyes to that equation, you're making, you know, kind of a really great recipe of being a really successful team. And so that's why I kind of think we're, we're entering in a little bit of a new era that, that this is, this is a crew team that I think is going to start, start doing some really special things. And that's, and only building upon all the work that they've already done, not just this year, but I even think last year there, there were moments, there were steps, there were that, that I kind of think were, were ways of kind of molding the foundation that this team is currently kind of building on top of as we speak. Uh, so speaking of guys rising to the occasion, we saw Derek Etienne Jr. score his first multi-goal game in his tenured MLS career. He now has five goals and five assists, which are also career highs. And we just saw Lucho Luis Diaz get in the box score for the first time since the opening match of this 2022 season. So how big of a confidence boost is this past match for these guys going forward? And with their performances, do you think we'll see Caleb Porter and company go back to that 4-2-3-1 that Zellerion obviously prefers? I, I think I think you're going to see, you know, maybe more 4-2-3-1 when, when it kind of suits the matchup. But the, um, you know, I, I, I think in terms of just kind of what it means for all the other guys is that they know that I, I think essentially what it means is that you don't, you, they don't necessarily have to be perfect every single game, right? Like I don't, I think that's something that sometimes has plagued 
Columbus crew teams over the last few seasons is that the, the, the margins between win and loss feel very, very thin. And, and now I'm, I'm kind of wondering if maybe, you know, Cucho kind of provides a little bit of a safety net. Now, obviously that, that remains to be seen. And so that's a little bit of a specul that's a little bit of speculation on my part, but I just think it's, 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 in, it's signaling an intention by the Columbus crew. And then I think in general, you can make, you can make the case for major league soccer at large. It's signaling an intention that, that the, the quality of play is increasing. And these guys uh, are kind of faced with, you know, the opportunity of saying, all right, so we're, everyone's raising their level. Are you coming along as well? And, and I think all of these guys are competitors. Obviously they're, you know, they're professional athletes for a reason. And so I think that type of competition, that type of internal kind of motivation is, is crucial uh, for their own kind of individual development. So I think, you know, you're seeing, I, I think Derek is a great example of, you know, being around Lucas day in and day out, being around Pedro Santos day in and day out, being around, you know, Darlington Nagby, that what happens when you kind of are able to just kind of build off of what you're seeing and, and on, on your own, you know, kind of individual motivations and, and, and abilities and, and him especially, I think is, is a testament to kind of resolve um, uh, and, and just like tremendous self-belief. I, I love that guy, man. He's, he, um, He's an energy bringer to this team, even though he's only 25, which kind of blows my mind because I think crazy. we view him as an older player. Yeah. Um, he, but he's he's an energy guy. He's a guy that kind of drives a little bit of the engine in terms of tone for the team. He's got uh, he's got some bite to him. He's he has some fight to him. Um, you, if you, you, we've heard him talk about his dad and how much his dad is a massive influence in his life. And I, I would assume that his dad is a, was a very similar player in terms of kind of temperament, <coughs> excuse me. And, and I, and, and, and so his, his influence on, on Derek, I think we see it every single time we, he goes out on the field and um, you know, all of this is kind of, these are all little like bits of influence and all, all of these kind of little like psychological nudges I think are are all positives for these guys, and and I think um, you know Lucas is a big reason why for that. I think Darlington Nagby is a big reason why for that. Uh, Pedro is massive, um, Jonathan Mensa massive, um, and then Cucho I think only kind of adds a little bit of lighter fluid to that fire. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's exciting, man. I I I'm. I'm fascinated to see where this is going to go because it feels a little bit like, you know, the, the crew have a Lamborghini right now in the garage and it's, it's time to, to fire that bad boy up and let it, let it go a little bit. So that Lamborghini is Cucho. What are, let me ask you what the vibes are like, like with Cucho in the locker room on the training pitch, warming up. And like, I didn't ask you this prior to, but like, what was it like right before Cucho came on the pitch on the crew bench? Was there just like anticipation, like crazy or what? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know when he when when Fetty goes over and starts warming the guys up in the second half, and and you're always kind of peeking over a little bit and and waiting for you know the uh, you know Pablo to to walk over there and grab someone. And you know when he came over, it was like it's like 
you're, you, I think you, if, if you have any kind of semblance of, of attachment to the, to the crew over an extended period of time, you, I think you had to recognize kind of the, the historic nature of that moment and his entering the field and how like 10 years ago, we would have never dreamed that a team would spend, you know, was a 10 plus million on a player, right? Like that would have been like, we'd have laughed at you, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I, and I think because of that, I think everyone's a little bit aware of the moment and embracing it in the best and most positive way. Um, I don't get a sense that this team feels pressure from, from it, which I think is a testament to the kind of the veteran leadership that these, um, that these guys kind of have in the locker room, Jonah, Josh Williams, um, uh, Milos, uh, Jaleel Anibaba. Um, yeah, I just named all center backs, which is kind of funny how that works. Um, but but um, Aloy is another one I think who who has great influence on the team, right? Like because of that, they I don't think the moment is too big for them right now, and I think they're embracing it, and they're, the eagerness is there um, in a, in a really tremendous way. Uh, Derek said after the game against Chicago, when we talked to him during our walkoff interview, he said something that really stuck with me because he was like, when we, when we went down to zero, that's probably a game we lose last year because we mm -hmm. were a little bit fragile. And, um, you know, being on the road with the team, like when we would get on the plane for, you know, a road game, like you could kind of get a sense back in 2021 at times in moments that this team uh, was maybe not nervous per se, because that's probably not fair for, for a road game, but like there was maybe a, a hint of, of not knowing what to expect. Now, when you get on the plane, it is totally different. It's there, there's a, there's a fire there. There's an intensity. There's a, there's a real great uh, palpable sense of purpose. And, and you're, and I think the road form is, you know, the manifestation of that, right. And then that, what we've seen this crew team do on the road and it is, is a direct result of that. And so, you know, I think, I think um, it's a, it's a great time to be a Columbus crew fan. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's um, we're all kind of getting the popcorn ready a little bit. For sure. Yeah. You speak on that road form, but we have three wins on the road so far this season, which matches the season totals from the past two years combined, which is impressive. I think we have 14 points or so on the road, which is good for third, for road form in the East, which is pretty good when you look at the last two years and you can tell that there is a kind of a mentality shift in this team. And there's a little bit more as the guys over at extra time, say X dog in them, you know, they have, they have a little bit more fight in the guys of the Columbus crew this year. Uh, but the next chance to extend that win streak to seven and continue their winning ways on the road is tomorrow or today when you're listening to this podcast at Audi field versus DC United, a team coming off of a seven zero drubbing at the hands of the Philadelphia union. We'll preview this one with two bits of news real quick, Brett. First of all, Wayne Rooney was announced as the new manager of DC United today. No, he will not be on the sidelines, so you won't be standing right next to him. I don't think, Brett. I'm not sure because um, he's still dealing with some, some visa issues, but he'll be in the building. Um, but what are your overall thoughts on Wayne Rooney taking over the helms for DC United? I mean, it's a, it's a big splash, right? It's the headline maker that, that goes worldwide for them. Um, I think time will tell a little bit in terms of on-field success. It's a little weird, I think, for some of these DC players because this is a guy that they played with at, at one point. So I think that power dynamic and how he manages that is going to be fascinating. Um, uh, 
in terms of uh, the, you know Chad Ashton, who's the was the interim manager um, for the team. I think how that transition of power happens is is really crucial for them. Um, and I think maybe it leaked a little bit into that the, the Philly game um, because that's this is a DC team that you know kind of in a right frame of mind is not giving up seven goals to anybody, um, but. Um, he's a big splash, man. And I think that's, uh, you know, obviously what they were after, what the DC, DC kind of ownership was looking for. And so whether or not that translates into on-field success, time is going to tell, but <clears throat> there's no doubt that um, there, he has a sense of gravitas that comes along with him. And, you know, maybe that, maybe that kind of trickles down to the rest of the squad and they can, you know, kind of get things going. Yeah, time will tell with that. But the other bit of news, uh, so a tweet sent out by Jacob Myers today. Jonathan Mensa is out due to yellow card accumulation for tomorrow's match. Milos Daganek is questionable. And according to Jacob, we should expect some modest rotation tomorrow. So I ask you, Brett, what do you think the starting 11 will look like against D.C. tomorrow? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot like that. Well, no, it's, so you're asking me to get in the mind of Caleb, which is um, you know, a, a dangerous thing for someone <laughs> Uh, right now because uh, the man has a lot of options to work with and I think that's the best possible thing you can have tactical flexibility is I believe what you call it Brett right yeah and and I think you know I think definitely think uh 433 is on the table um four two three ones on the table um and I think three five two is probably a possibility for them as well um you know I really liked uh you know the what the what the four three two one did against the second half against Chicago. Um, you know, I mean that, that, that they just flipped the switch, right. And it, in the, in the pedal, the pedal went to the floor instantly. Um, I, you know, it, it, I think in some ways, like this is like a, which, which for, you know, which formation do you think is the best? I think they're all pretty good. We've got um, wins in all three of them. Yeah. And, 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 I, I kind of think the the fact that that is that they can go back and point to and show these guys clips of like very tangible success in these different systems because that like the the way that they let layer kind of play the the pattern play is you obviously there are common denominators between all three but like for the most part they're they're they can switch on a dime and Chicago mm -hmm. is obviously the, the the personification of that. Um, that it, it presents, a, in my mind, like a, and a sometimes like insurmountable challenge for opposing teams to be able to prepare for, um, you know, a crew team that like literally you kind of don't know who's going to play, who's going to, and how they're going to line up. And especially you're not doing that in a compacted window. And so I think, um, uh, you know, 4231 or 433 probably would be, would be my best guess. Um, they, they obviously with, with Cincinnati this weekend, that's no one's looking ahead to that game, but like, um, you know, you do have to have, you know, kind of a finger on the pulse of, of the, the guy's ability to recover. The fact that there are three game days in between all three of these games, these, when I, the three games in this nine day window, um, the, the loads that these guys take on, they should be able to recover, um, it, it, for for all three so I think 
um, you know, there is going to be some rotation and that's personnel based with, with Jonah picking up what I thought was a really soft yellow um, against Chicago. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, obviously that's, that's motivating the, the reasons for the changes probably beyond maybe anything tactically, but um, I'm not sure uh, it, what, what Cucho's kind of status is in terms of like the number of minutes um, and what that might look like. But uh, regardless, I, I think in, my, in, in many ways, I think this is kind of the, the, the best strength that this team has right now is that in some ways the formation doesn't really matter because you're going to get this team's best shot regardless of who lines up where. And I think that's probably the best and most positive thing you can say about this team right now. Yeah, I agree. We have the personnel that we can t uh, take guys out, give them a rest for a game and bring uh, different guys in. And then we also have, like we said, that, that tactical flexibility where we can, we can flip formation. So to have both of those things at, at Caleb Porter's disposal is important. And it's, it's been really nice to see Caleb recognize the need for change in specific games, especially this last one against Chicago. Um, that, that was really promising, but both games, both teams that we're going to be playing in the next six days, both of them run primarily a three, five, two. So that will be interesting. Last time we played a three, five, two was against Philly. It was a spitting image, uh, three, five, two on both sides of the ball. Um, so Which we'll see how, weird, by the way, to see Philly change, mm -hmm. uh, into something different than what you, what you normally see out of Jim. And, and that was, that was, kind of something I think through all of us for a loop a little bit. Yeah. And I think, I mean, they were missing all their kids at the U 20 CONCACAF. So right. they didn't have that, that depth in their roster for that match. So I think they, I think there was something else going on too. I can't necessarily remember off the top of my head, but uh, we'll go ahead and fast forward to this weekend. Hell is real this Sunday at lower.com field. This one feels a little bit different, Brett. Uh, it's because this one is different. This one feels hotter than hell as FCC sit one point above us in the table, occupying the final, spot in the playoffs in the east and there's still a lot of season to play obviously but not only is this a derby this is a six point match this is important so what are your thoughts on fc Cincy so far this season and what do the crew need to do to secure all three points looking ahead of this one well, well I, I think first of all it's it's the, the you know the the wooden spoon jokes um that obviously you know since is you know earned over the last few years that those aren't happening this is a really really good team um and I think uh, Lucho Acosta is my MVP right now, probably. Um, and, and I mean, the, the dude is, the dude's been unbelievable. Now, I, the, the red card that he got, I think we're, I don't know, if, I don't know if he's going to be suspended or not, or whether or not that'll overturn. I think we're kind of waiting to see a little bit, um, whether or not that kind of turns out, I, you know, we're obviously recording this on a Tuesday, so there there might be news between now and that game in terms of his ability ability to play, um, which which would be a real bummer because um, you know if I was making a list of like the top ten guys in Major League Soccer that I sign up to watch for, he's one of those guys, mm -hmm. and he's probably in the top five, honestly. Yeah. Um, and but I think that you know. Cincinnati with the, the way that Pat has been able to, by the way, former Columbus crew player, Pat Newman, um, the, the, the kind of the culture change that, that he's been able to uh, in some ways kind of turn on a dime there is, 
um, some pretty special stuff. I, I think it's between him and Josh Wolf right now for coach of the year. Um, and uh, they have they have options, they have depth, they have, um, you know, they can be dynamic and open play. They can hurt you on set pieces. They've got some big dudes on that team. Um, and Vasquez is killing it. Brenner's in form right now. And like, 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 where did Brenner come from? You know, like that dude was in the doghouse of all doghouses, and now all of a sudden, like, look, you know, the guy might be back. Um, so yeah, they're. I don't think. I think you know, Harris is the best dead ball player in the league, service wise. Madunin, you know, like the, like if you give an opportunity to hurt you in a in a set piece situation, he's probably going to do it. Um, so that you know the the jokes about this kind of being a lopsided you know affair that ain't happening this year this is a this is a tooth and nail dog fight and in my mind it's it's um it's exactly what this game kind of calls for uh a, a one where it has magnitude and impact and influence on the top of the table and and so that's that's super exciting i'd love to see um you know, if if uh, uh, if um, you know if Cucho's fully match fit at that point, if he gets a start uh, in that game, would be hella cool. Um, and and to be able to be kind of like, you know, this is this is the best eleven of the Columbus Crew, ready, set, go against your against your rival, right? Like that's that's putting your best foot forward. Uh, and would be a, a, a nice little kind of a nice uh, new chapter in this uh, rivalry that is already delivered uh, some pretty outrageously uh, uh, fun and amazing games. Uh, it's it's the most I've looked forward to a game uh, in a while, and and uh, and we're not even doing it. It's not even on Bally. We're we're going to call it for the radio, which is actually going to be even a little more fun because we uh, we we get to the the parameters are maybe not quite as uh, as tight. So. Uh, when it's like uh, when we when we go on the show with Chris, it's like we get a substitute teacher kind of. So uh, <laughs> Jordan and Neil and I get to go off a little bit, which is fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, I I can't wait. I can't wait. The DC game uh, Wednesday, you know, no one's looking ahead to that uh, and and beyond that one. That one's going to be super fascinating. And like, if you're an OG MLS fan, Columbus Crew fan, you you love every single opportunity you get to play DC United. Uh, but that that FC Cincinnati game is going to be going to be something special, and I would expect. Um, <laughs> I've had more people hit me up for tickets to that game than I've had in a very long time. Um, it's going to be the hottest ticket in in Columbus sports uh, in a good long while. Yeah, it's damn near uh, sold out right now. Yeah, it's going to be electric, and I cannot wait to 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 be able uh, to be standing pitch side for that one. Yeah, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for my fin- my friends that came in from Hawaii and from Florida and even my friends that are in Columbus that are they're all going to the game together. That should be super exciting. Although they don't have tickets yet and they they sent out the in the group text today. They sent the bat signal. They're like, "Hey, did anybody buy the tickets yet?" I'm like, I, you know, I'm not going to the game, but I'm like, you guys you got to buy the tickets. <laughs> it's damn near sold out. But just yeah, a, a tid- just a tidbit on that FCC a game this week in the hell is real match. You know, like I said, they sit one point above us in the, in the table in the East, the Columbus crew are yet to beat a team above the playoff line. 
this year. They beat up on, on the teams in the lower half of the table. So mm -hmm. this is a kind of a litmus test for the Columbus crew to see where we fall. Are we a playoff team? I think we are, but we have to prove that by beating teams that are above us. So we'll see. Isn't it a while too, like the, how that, that script is, has done a complete 180, right? Yeah. In, in terms of, of, uh, of the FC Cincinnati Columbus crew dynamic and where like the, the games against the crew, right. We're measuring sticks for FC Cincinnati. It was like, well, we're here, but we know that like, that's kind of the next level to aspire to in some ways. Now it's, that's not the case. And that is absolutely a compliment to them because um, it's right now that they, they've done some special things uh, this year and they've, sh they've shown an ability to repeat that. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's, that's good stuff. And that's, I think exactly what you, if you're a crew fan, you want in some ways FC Cincinnati to, to be able to do because that makes the rivalry all the better. Yeah, and that's why I want Lucho Acosta to start. I want best 11 versus best 11. I'd love to see Lucho and Cucho both start against one another. You know, so yeah, I'm super, super excited for that match. I just had something I wanted to say right on the tip of my tongue. Oh, God, what was it? Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Well, if, we're talking, if we're talking food recommendations, <laughs> we can we can really like touch the third rail and get into get into uh, you know the skyline gold star debate. But maybe we save that for the next time. Let's save that, Brett. Let's save that. <laughs> All right. So score predictions. You got a score prediction? We'll we don't want to look ahead of DC. Let's just do both real quick. DC yeah, score so, prediction. So I, I think um, this is a DC United team that has you know I, I'm a I'm a big fan of trying to tap into a little bit of, uh, this is something that Caleb Porter has rubbed off on me in my, in, in my time working with him, um, that I, I love tapping into a little bit of like the psychology as to why certain teams might play the way that they do. And I think that this DC team, new coach, players essentially trying to prove to that new coach that they belong <clears throat> and that they, they, they belong in the, the long-term plans and visions of this new coach. It's the new coach bump in MLS. Yeah. They also just got stomped and embarrassed in their previous game. So I think the motivation is like two or three X, uh, that of an actual, like, quote unquote, regular game. And, and I think that's something that the crew have to manage and be aware of. Um, and, and also understand that, that that's not, that that's something that uh, allows DC to essentially not have to work to settle into the game. They're just going to be on the front foot and on the pedal gas pedal right off the bat. So I think there's probably, there's probably goals in this game. Um, I, I want to say maybe like one, one uh, or two, two draw. Um, the, I, I, there are some injuries that DC has in, in, in defense a little bit. Um, that I think they have to kind of manage from yeah. a personnel standpoint. I think but Brad Smith just tore his ACL in the, in the yeah, last match. Brutal, he's yeah. one of my favorite players to, to, to watch defender wise. The, the, one of the, the best left, left wing backs in MLS. Oh my gosh. Especially when he was with the Sounders. The left foot is oh. just something outrageous, but, um, and uh, it's, yeah. And all, all the best to him and, and his recovery, but the, um, yeah, I think I one one two two would be my prediction probably uh, for for the DC game, um, and then kind of peeking ahead to FC Cincinnati, I'm gonna say we're gonna go two one crew two one crew because I think I think FC Cincinnati has goals in them. I could see that being kind of an XG like fest a little yeah. bit where both teams have 
XG over the number of actual goals scored. And it's, you know, kind of goalkeepers stand on their, you know, stand on their head a little bit in, in moments to be able to, to, to provide some spectacular highlight reel stuff as well. So I'll start with DC and I spoke on the, the new coach bump. It's real in MLS. It's been real this year. There's been three or four coaching changes. Rooney won't actually be the guy in charge this match. So I don't know if we can consider that a, a new coaching bump yet. I think the crew take this one probably 2-1. They beat D.C. 3-0 earlier in the season at home. It's not nearly going to be that, I don't think. Like you said, D.C.'s coming off of that 7-0 drubbing to Philly, so I think they'll have you know more of a fight. They're trying to prove something to their new boss, trying to prove that they can fit into Wayne Rooney's new system. So I think it'll be close. I'm going crew to D.C. United 1. As far as Cincy, the thought that I had earlier that I could not remember was Cincy's one of the hottest tickets, I think, in MLS. They almost have like San Jose earthquakes type vibes about them. MLS after dark vibes where they score goals. They're very exciting. Like, it's like we just said, Lucho is one of the Lucho Acosta MLS MV, not MVP all-star just got voted in today uh, is one of the most exciting players to watch in the league. Brandon Vasquez has been incredible. Brenner has been incredible. They get up and down the pitch and they're three, five, two, but defensively they just leak goals. So like, yeah. it's very San Jose earthquakes esque. And I think that, kind of backs up what you're saying about the XG goal fest. Like we'll see how that goes. Um, I think the crew do take that one as well. I think this is a nine point nine points in nine days for the Columbus crew. I think the crew beat FC Cincinnati. The only, so there's two teams better than the Columbus crew on the road in the East. It's FC Cincinnati and the New York Red Bulls. So since he's good on the road as well, but I think the Columbus crew went at home. We'll say two, one, well, I'm going two one in both games. Yeah, like I could, I, yeah, two, two, one, I think works. I, I could see three, two in that game as well. Um, yeah. We've had three, two scores in, in hell is real uh, games uh, before. Um, and I, and I think the thing about Cincy too, right? Like they, like, like we kind of touched on earlier, it's, it's not that they're just scoring kind of one way, right? Like they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, I think they've given up 30 some goals, yeah. 30 plus goals this year. And those have come in a kind of myriad of ways. Uh, and you saw all of them during their, their game against NYCFC. But um, the, um, what they do in terms of, of going forward is really fun and really yeah. good. And it's yeah. layered and it's, and it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's nuanced in a way that I think is, is, is really special. And I think it also, they've done a really good job of, of tailoring that to personnel as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, trying to plug personnel in the system that might not work. And so it's, I think it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic game. Uh, I'm, I'm loving, loving the, uh, the potential for, for some good stuff there. I'm stoked, man. Hell is real. It always delivers. All right, Brad, it's, we, we've been on this thing for about an hour and a half. It's 11 o'clock. I see your eyes are getting a little heavy. Those listening, you guys won't be able to see it, but I got to get Brett off here so we can get some rest. Uh, Brett, do you have any closing thoughts before I let you off here? Yeah. So best MLS eats around the league, Kansas city for sure, but don't sleep on Columbus, by the way, if you have, if you're listening to this and you're not necessarily a crew fan, Columbus is one of the best food cities in the entire country. So if you've never been to Columbus, you want to come check out a game, please do so. Hit me up on Twitter as well. We'll get you some uh, recommendations, and we'll make sure that if you do come and visit, you're going to have a good time. Cool. Well, Brett, it's been a pleasure having you on. 
It was a pleasure meeting you in Philly, but it's been awesome to pick your brain and talk about the Columbus crew, especially after all the exciting things that have been going on with the, with the organization over the last month or so. So Brett, once again, man, thanks for coming on to MLS Gone Wild. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Yeah, happy to be here. We'll, we'll do again for sure. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 19, featuring Columbus Crew sideline reporter Brett Hiltzbrand. A huge double game week is ahead of us as the crew take on DC United tomorrow and FC Cincy at 7.30 p.m. on Sunday on Fox Sports 1. I foresee a huge six-point week and a climb up the Eastern Conference standings ahead of us. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will be, and I will be back next week with a special Philadelphia Union player interview. Until then, take care of yourselves and one another. Peace.